Turn with me to two different places in the scriptures. Genesis chapter 20, verse 16. Genesis 20, verse 16. And then over to Job 31 and verse 1. This is the answer, I believe, one of the answers, and yet maybe the main answer to our problems as a nation and our individual problems is we need to make, we need to have a covering of our eyes and we need to have a covenant, make a covenant with our eyes. I did this last, this last week as I was going around and getting materials for the building and I just afresh asked the Lord to, to help me to afresh make a covenant with mine eyes. He says, make a covenant with mine eyes. Why then should I think upon a maid? And then another one, it tells us a, a covering of the eyes. And I noticed in the writings of Matthew Henry, he said that our wife is our covering for our eyes. Thought that was good. That was true about, he said about Sarah. And so, uh, as we really love our wife and look to our wife for she is our desire. And so it says here, the desire of the eyes should be our wife. It says that about Ezekiel when he lost his wife, that she was the desire of his eyes. And so we should keep our eyes on our wife and our God and none other. I preface my message with the fact that everything around us is just contrary to that. I went over there in great haste over to Heights Lumber yesterday trying to find something that I couldn't find elsewhere. <clears throat> the miracle part or whatever they called it for the plumbing. That's what I needed last night and in the morning at my house is a miracle. <laughs> I am no good at plumbing. I'll let you do it all for me. I'll even pay you to do it. But anyhow, I was over there at Heights Lumber trying to get some things for our building here, not for my house, but for, my, for our building. And in there, I noticed one woman there. It was time for closing about noon or whatever. And I noticed that she seemed to be quite attractive. I didn't keep my eyes on her in any fashion. But everyone else around there were all men. So before I left, I said, are you, are you married? He didn't have a ring on. He said, oh, yes, I'm married. And a few seconds later, I said, I said, isn't it a shame you have to have an attractive young lady over there working here when you've got a wife at home? He said, it sure is. Just like that, it sure is. And while I was waiting all this time, one of the employers, they were getting ready to close up, one of the young men came by, and <clears throat> I didn't see a ring on her hand either, and I saw that he, he grabbed her by the hair as he was passing by, as she was one of the workers there. Well, the Bible says that we're to touch not a woman. Amen? Amen? Then 
Then I was in the, I was over there at the um, Lowe's. The big fellow that helped us with that $1,000 worth of uh, sinks and everything the other night kept us there an extra hour. Kept all these three or four employees there an extra hour. And what a mess that was. But earlier that day, there was some scantily dressed woman in there. And I said to the man, it's a shame they have to go around. I think this bare belly stuff, it ought to go back to Africa where it came from. Or the pit. Keep your body covered. I said, it's a shame. I said it quietly to the man. I said, as she walked away, I said, it's a shame they dress like they do today. And he kind of nodded an affirmative to some degree. We're in an age of a mess today. Some of those things that I said earlier, they, they made me to uh, make this covenant afresh with my eyes. You know, that was what caused Samson to sin. He looked at the woman at Timnath. And then later, Delilah. And that's how he lost his hair, by a woman. And he lost his power when he lost his hair because his hair was a sign of his separation unto God as a Nazarite. All the days of his life, he was separated unto God. Some of the Nazarites were not all their lifetime separated to God. But Samson, from birth to death, he was a Nazarite unto the Lord. And when he lost his hair, he lost his strength. But God, either miraculous or whatever, he caused his hair to grow back and he ended pretty well, didn't he? Tore down the whole mess of Dagon, that wicked God. As they were trying to make fun of God's man, Samson. And he said, Lord, just do, do it one more time. Let me die with them. And he killed more in his death of God's enemies than he did in his life. And he made great havoc all the way through for all the... All the governors and the mayors and everybody were there and they all died. They didn't have anybody in charge when Samson got through with them and Samson's God got through with them. Great, great trouble, I'm sure, in the days ahead. And so, David did not, our our wonderful King David, have a problem. By the way, why did David have such a problem? God had already told him to write, make him a copy of the Word of God and to read it all the days of his life lest he vaunt himself above the people. David forgot to read the Word of God that day. Went out and looked and there was a, a, a woman, Bathsheba, bathing. He looked and lusted and took and paid. Until he died, he paid for his sin. So you say... Well, wasn't he a great one? I think he was. It says in the Bible that the Lord liked him. I don't think it's anywhere else in the Bible. The Lord loves all of us, but I think he just plumb liked David. You know, there's some that you love, and you've got to love everybody, amen? But there's some you just like, don't you? And I think the Lord liked David. He was the man after God's own heart. All the kings of Judah are compared to David! And yet, his eyes got him in trouble, didn't they? Got to watch out for our eyes, lest we pay a great price. 
And that's what took place with almost the annihilation of the whole tribe of Benjamin. Here our country, what has our country gone to do now? Six of the justices to three, I believe it was, there's nine. Six of nine voted in something that sanctioned in a greater way perversion in our country. Listen, before the fire fell on Sodom, Gomorrah, Zeboam, and Adama, perversion prevailed and was sanctioned. Before Benjamin was almost completely annihilated as a tribe, wiped out completely. Only four to six hundred left and they couldn't find wives for them. But before that, 20, how many was it? Before that, in this battle, in this battle, there were 22,000 Israelites. I've got to tell you the story, though, otherwise you won't get the whole impact of it. But I'm telling you, we're in a mess today. It's not, it's, it's not only that you are a pervert. I hope you're not. I hope there's not one here in our, our sound of our voice. But we cannot sanction perversion either. We cannot sanction it by silence. We must cry aloud. Spare not. Lift up thy voice like a trumpet and show my people their transgressions. We must be willing to go to jail for it. We must be willing to lay down our life for it. Or our country's going to be burned up with this vice of perversion. It's everywhere. But now they're sanctioning it. As Brother Shea mentioned, they've already done it in Canada. And sanction same-sex marriages. When God instituted marriage, that was sure the furthest thing from the mind of Almighty, the God of glory, the purest of the pure. It says in the Scriptures many times, and I've read it recently, where God, this matter of offering up their children to Molech, and, and God said it never even came to my thinking. I never, ever, ever intended that. I want you to know that this matter of perversion, homosexuality and lesbianism, I'm telling you this thing is, it's the next thing is the fire from heaven. I recall days gone by when my father, Ted, uh, they called him Ted, but his, I don't know why, but his name uh, was Albert Henry Harvey, and I have his first name in the middle of my name, John Albert Harvey. But I remember my father saying, Many, many, many years ago, he's been dead and gone for a long time. number of years now. And my father had a, a double flat, and he, we lived in the bottom of that. And we, my dad owned the house. And so we would rent the top floor out. And I remember after my cousins didn't live there anymore... My uncle and aunt didn't live there anymore. They did at one time. Johnny and Tommy were up, upstairs of us. But then later on, as years went by, I remember my father saying, I will not rent to people who are not legally married. 
There were people who used to run motels and they said, we will not, we will not allow people to shack up in our motel room. If I'm not wrong now, it's illegal to forbid them to rent your house. Now it's illegal, if I'm not wrong, to not give them a room in regard to their sexual preferences. There was a day in America when you could have an all-boys school. And West Point was all men. Women could have their own thing. All the girls. So the government's cutting off all the funding of all these groups so that they all get all mixed up. I went to an all-boys high school. We didn't have to worry. We could, we could study math. We sure didn't have to worry about girls for, for six hours or seven hours a day, did we? I said we had no girls in our high school. It was the engineers! Hutchison Central Technical High School. But now it's now they got females in that school. How in the world are you going to think about, about engineering when you got all these frizzy-headed girls sitting in the same classroom with you? Boy, we're really getting into a foreign thing, aren't we now? You know, mothers used to stay home and take care of their babies that they carried under their hearts for nine months. Now they hardly wait a couple weeks to go back to work and take their baby and cry all the way to the daycare, cry all week long, and then finally they get over their natural affection for their baby. No wonder they don't have too many children anymore because they don't like to go through that traumatic experience. I thought children were in the heritage of the Lord. You ought to have as many blessings as God will give you. You know how many people today are having operations to prevent children on, their, on the man or the woman? It's all unnatural. We're given to the unnatural. Can't produce it. You say, well, wife, she can't do it. Well, it's strange that some others had 10 and 20 kids. Now they can't even, supposed to have one or two, you know. It's too hard on the wife. I'd never heard such foolishness in all my life. The general, the general thing about having bearing children is usually, usually, not always, but usually they're as healthful or more healthful and more, more glowing than they are at other times. I'm talking about the general situation. We're in a mixed up world today. Our problem is we have eye trouble. We better go to the eye doctor. And the eye doctor's book is the Bible. And the eye doctor is the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, and God the Father. They're in business together to, to, to keep our eyes from looking at the wrong thing. Job said, I made a covenant with mine eyes. Why then should I think upon a maid? And we need to have a covering of our eyes. And that covering, I, as I thought of that verse, I'd never seen it before really in that light till I heard from the great Matthew Henry and he said our wife is our covering for our eyes. And so as I said about the old horse that gets spooked so often as he came down the street of 535 Wyoming Avenue in Buffalo, New York, the old rag man came down in his old horse and buggy, his cart behind him. And he'd say, rags, rags. 
I was just a little boy, real little. He said, rags? He was the rag man. Came by and got rags and newspapers and all kinds of stuff and brought the, oh, uh, what do they call that, 101 bleach and brought it to different people's houses. I think that's what he did. I don't know. That was the day when you had the Iceman come by. Boy, I'm from the dark ages, aren't I? No, that was more in Canada than Buffalo. That was the time you had uh, big hunks of ice on top of the milk bottles when my father had his milk business. They didn't have refrigerated trucks. He put ice on top of the milk bottles. And so the ragman had come by, and the cars would spook the, the horse if they wasn't careful. So he had flaps here to keep his eyes centered on, the, on nothing but what? The, the, the road out ahead of him and straight ahead instead of these cars that would cause him to get spooked and jump all over the place and turn the cart over and hurt, his, hurt the, the driver, the ragman. And so we need blinders today that will just keep our eyes we need a covering of our eyes for our wife and for our God and none other I hope you ladies will not be guilty in any kind of nakedness for then you can cause some man to commit adultery in his heart If you're fully clothed and have a lot of clothes on and he commits adultery in his heart, that's bad enough. But if you, through your nakedness, caused him to sin like that, we have a young man in my son's church and his wife lost her life to a brain tumor or something, aneurysm. And it took her very quickly. She, had, she just brought birth to a little child. But he said, he said, he's been about four, four years now. I think it's three or four years. Two maybe. Two and a half, three, four years. Somewhere like that. He's been without a wife. He said, he said the way these women run around, he said, they almost, they almost act like they want to cause you to commit adultery in your heart. For he lost his wife. Boy, he preached on covering up. He said, you women ought to have, you women ought not to wear pants at all. He said, you shouldn't even wear them to bed at night. Say, it's none of his business getting into your house and your bedroom. It sure is his business. Just keep covered. If it's questionable, just change it. Some of you say, well, I'm never coming back to this church. We've had others leave like you before. We're really not going to be too frustrated about it. Because God will send someone in here who wants to know the truth and wants to know more of the truth. They're still out there. They're getting fewer and fewer, but they're still out there. There are still parents who want their kids to walk straight. The straight and narrow. But you're not gonna you're gonna have a hard time getting your teenagers to walk the straight and narrow without straight and narrow preaching. Amen. I've yet to find a, a, a parent that said, My boy or my girl read the Bible too much. 
Or my boy or my girl, my teenage boy or girl, they, re, they pray too much. Have you ever found anybody like that lately? My boy or my girl, they're too holy. No, the holier than thou in the Bible is this, this, this air of, of being better and greater than, than others. That's not what I'm talking about at all. Now, we could use a good dose of holiness in our teenagers. But the reason our teenagers are not very holy is because their parents aren't very holy, are we? Oh, we need a revival of, of the things of God. Sodom and Gomorrah, Zeboam and Adama, the fire fell because of perversion. And the fire was sent by God Almighty. And it sure purged four cities of that kind of sin, didn't it? And there wasn't one person in all the cities spared. Do you think all of those were perverts? Absolutely not. But others pay the price when, when perversion is sanctioned. You think every little baby in mother's arm, they didn't have time enough to live. And they were burned up in the fires of Sodom, Gomorrah, Adama and Zeboah. Four cities. We always say Sodom and Gomorrah, but what about the other two? Four whole cities burned up. But by the grace of God, it might have been five. For Lot was going to go to this certain city. Zoar, I think it was. And he ended up in the mountains where he was going to go earlier. What in the world happened to him? You live among the perverts and your daughters will get perverted by their ways. You remember, he said he was going to give his daughters to these wicked men in Sodom who wanted to know them, the scripture says. Know the ones that were guests there, the angels. He offered his two daughters who had never known men. But God intervened and the angels, they shut the door. And God smote them all with blindness there. God started dealing with Lot. He said, you better get everybody out of here. I'm going to burn this, this, city, this city up. You know, Sodom, all, all Lot did is earlier in his life, he pitched his tent toward Sodom instead of pitching his tent toward heaven. And Abraham went out and he, he just said, you take one way and I'll go the other way. God is with me and I'll be all right. Didn't it say that he looked for a city whose builder and maker is God? Abraham? But Lot looked at Sodom. It was like, the, it was like Egypt, you remember. See, they'd been down in Egypt. You never get anything but junk out of Egypt. Egypt's the type of the world all the time. Abraham brought Hagar out, and look at the mess Ishmael came because of that. Egypt's always the type of the world. But he had seen the well-watered plains, and Sodom was like the well-watered plains of Egypt. And it was good for grazing cattle, but it was no good for raising children. And his two daughters get out there afterwards, and they, where did they get the alcohol? They, brought it, they must have known where it was. How many, how many uh, people, they try to hide the alcohol like some relatives of mine did. They put, it, they put it way up high or put it way down low or way in the back there. But we teenagers, we find it, don't we? 
When you're over at some relative's house, you find it, don't you? Uh I never drank it, though, praise God, but I saw it up there. I heard about it later on. After you get older, be sure your sin will find you out. So what happens before it's all over? They fill their father with drink. And incest is perpetrated. And two, boy, two, uh, two sons and grandsons all at one time. What a mixed up mess that was. And that's the Moab and Ammon. And what a mess there was from those two tribes. They learned that all in Sodom, friends. I said they learned it all in Sodom. And earlier in Egypt, you can't hang around perverts and not get some of that filth on you. They're sure changing our courts, didn't they? How many years ago was that? 30 years ago. I've told you, and I told you, and I told you, eight years of of, of Bill Clinton, and we'll never get over those eight years. We'd have to have a a mass nationwide revival to get over the eight years of that perverted person. And even if you voted for him, you have to admit that his morals were perverted. And perverted people make perverted decisions. He knew how to make monetary, and I think our finances were great in this country. But I'm telling you what, he didn't know one thing about raising children, read all the junk about his daughter, and so forth. I know some of you just loved Reagan to death, didn't you? He just thought Reagan was so wonderful, didn't you? But he put O'Connor in office. You know what else? If I'm not wrong, he was the very first divorced and remarried president i think that we ever had he had john he was from hollywood you remember and his first wife was jane wyman and listen i i like reagan I, I would have voted for him and i'd vote for him again today if he didn't have what his problem was in his head and uh, you know what i'm talking about he's getting old and he's going see what is that what they call alzheimer's and I, I i sympathize i think you know they talk about reaganomics and all this stuff and i'm telling you what though he went over there if i recall it and i wanted to cry aloud and spare not he went over there to rome I have no business going seeing anybody in high places in Rome. We don't need any ambassador to that place. Amen? She's the whore church in the 17th chapter of, of, of the book of the Revelation. And what I just said wouldn't go too well in most churches in town. And if you want, don't want to hear about that, no, I, I need to try to keep people coming here, don't I? I can't make these statements too much, can I? They'll all leave one. No, they won't. Some of them love me and love my Bible and love my Christ, and they even love my strong preaching. But uh, sometimes I need to say, why don't you come and join us if you really love the Lord like you ought to, okay? Better change it around. We'll have nobody left here to pay all the bills around here. No, my God will pay for it. Whatever God orders, he pays for If we order it, we might get in trouble. Amen. 22,000 Israelites died. I got to get back to the story, though, don't I? Okay, we've been around a little bit on our rabbit trail. Now we're getting back to home base. Sodom and Gomorrah, that all took place. Then what happened with in the last chapters of Judges is Saul, the first king of Israel, his hometown was Gibeah. Not Gibeon, Gibeah. And Gibeah 
is a place in Benjamin. You remember that Saul was a Benjamite. His father's name was Kish. And so here we go now. This Levite, get this now, a Levite has a concubine. That's what I was going to bring out a little earlier. Our country has already sanctioned adultery. We did that in our president. But we did it way before our president. You can commit adultery today, and they do nothing about it. Well, God says you go out and commit adultery on your wife or husband. Uh, let, let, let them die the death. Stone them to death. You say, well, well we, we don't believe in that here. I believe in it. We just not are, are not allowed to do it because our, our courts won't allow it. I think it's a good remedy for adultery. Then the innocent party, if there is an innocent party, amen, they can go out and find someone who will not be an adulterer or an adulteress. Wouldn't that be a good idea? And it'd be legal because they're dead. And that's the only reason you're supposed to remarry. But if she or he is dead because they were committing adultery with someone else's wife or someone else's husband, it would sure help your children too, wouldn't it? So, you're, you're, so that they wouldn't have to be in that condition? So, we've thrown that to the wind, and now they're throwing perversion to the wind. What, are they going to come and, and say that bestiality is all right too? Where are they going to stop? There's no stop to this downward trail of America. I remember at the university when I was there in Bible college years ago, and Brother Al Janney got up and preached a whole series on truth, and he said we are living in post-Christian America. That means after Christian America. There's a whole lot of people speaking Christian. I'm, I'm a Christian. I'm born again, but there's only one problem. Very few are living it. Very few are, are dressing, acting, or, or uh, speaking out against evil like the early Christians did. Through our silence, we're allowing things everywhere that are wicked and wrong. But by the grace of God, we're not going to do that at Tabernacle Baptist Church. It's a sad day when they forbid us to give a gospel track out on the fort. They don't want me sticking my hand out. In front of the, well, if, if nowhere, nowhere else, they should sure let me give out gospel tracts in, in, in uh, the Dome of the Rock over there. What, no, what is it called? Soldier's Dome or Soldier's, what is it? Soldier's Dome? Oh, Sports. Sports Dome. I thought it was the Dome of the Rock or something over there. The wrong rock. For Christ is called the Rock. Just ask our retired sergeant major over here about that mess at a certain hour when they all get out of there and all want to fight each other and they're all drunk. And this group wants to beat up on this group and this group wants to wipe the other group out and you come in there to just clean the building up. It must stink at the end of the day, doesn't it? I, it must. I used to deliver milk with my father into Dubois store downtown Buffalo, a bar. And, and I'm telling you, no, no place in town, no, no other stop, no other home smelled like Dubois in the morning after those drunken bums were there all night. I know what it smells like. I've been down to the rescue mission and put my arm around drunks 
and led them to Christ. Stink the alcohol reeking right out of their bodies. Well, I'm going to a place called heaven where the Rose of Sharon's up there. The lily of the valley. Twelve manner of fruit. The river of life. The sweetness. And I won't, I'm not going to hell where it's sulfur. Sulfur. Brimstone. Stinky place is hell. A dark place is hell, but heaven's a light place. There is no night there. I'm going to a city. It's one eternal day. If you don't get saved, you're going to one eternal night. No light there. For Jesus is the light of the world. He's the light of that city. New Jerusalem coming down from heaven as a bride adorned for her husband. That's where I'm going. I'm going to a city of light. A city of love. Light, joy, peace, kindness. Now, if you go to hell, you'll get no kindness there. For the devil is not kind. He and all his false prophets are there. Anyhow, what happened is that, getting back to our story again. And they, it was getting dark. He went back to get his concubine. As I said earlier, he didn't need a concubine to begin with. He just needed a wife, not a secondary wife. He goes back to get her from her father's house. She played the whore, the Bible said. I think in some other parts of Scripture it says suffering a, a witch to live, and I think it, it says about a whoredom as well, that there be no whoredom in Israel. And the stone pile sure could keep it clean of those sins. All right? So he's going back, and his, his uh, concubine's father prevailed upon him to stay a couple days. Then he said, no, I've got to leave. And he leaves about in the middle of the day. He goes back. He's going to his place where he came from. And as he's going back, it starts getting dark. And he goes into Gibeah. And there, the night's coming down on him in Gibeah. This is the home of Saul, as I said earlier. Way back. And he gets in Gibeah. And this city is like unto Sodom. They find out that he's in the house with his concubine. They come just like they do in Sodom and Gomorrah, in Sodom. They come to the door, and they want to know the man. And so the, the one who's the guest, just like there, like the angels in Sodom and Gomorrah, the man, the, the one who invited them in, said, don't do this thing. And they offered the concubine as Lot had offered his two virgin daughters. They offered the concubine. And they take the concubine and misuse her all morning. In the morning, she's at the threshold of the house. And the, the, uh, the, uh, the Levite comes out there. Who knows? Maybe he, he just touched her and said, let's, get, let's go. It's time to go. Well, you'd have thought he'd have been concerned about her condition. Or maybe he reached over and said, let's go. It's time to go. And he found out, she, found out she's dead. She was so misused, she was dead. So he puts her on his beast. He goes to his house. Now, this is not very pleasant. But hell's not a very pleasant place either. And sin is, the results of sin is not very pleasant. And sin is not very beautiful. So I'll just tell it like it is, but try to use some wisdom and discretion while I do. He takes her home on his beast, dead. When he gets home, he cuts her up into 12 pieces and sends, because he wanted them in Benjamin, in Gibeah, to get, bring these men forward and let them be killed for what they did to this concubine of his. For they were such perverts that they wanted a man earlier. 
Well, they don't give him much attention, so he takes his concubine. They, they will not do, make any amends. They're sanctioning perversion. They're sanctioning this wicked act to this concubine. Some could say, well, she sure got what she deserved. Well, if we all did, we'd be in hell too. Two wrongs don't make a right either. So what happens? He sends these 12 pieces to all of them. He says, come. He said, uh, and he got the attention of the people. They got gathered together, and they, they said to Benjamin, either offer these men to us who did this, or we're going to war against you. They wouldn't do anything. They sanctioned sin, and they sanctioned perversion, sanctioned that which was evil. And that's what we're doing in America. That's what our courts just did this last week. That does not mean that these justices, every one of them, or any of them, have ever been involved with perversion. Maybe none of them were involved with it at all. Because most of them are pretty elderly, are they not? Not too many young ones on there at all. So in all likelihood, they did not commit this terrible perversion themselves, probably, but they sanctioned it when they voted six to three to sanction others and not lock up others. And that is striking down in Texas and all these other states the other thing because this is the highest court of the land, is it not? Supreme Court? Why do these laws all get put on our, our, in our states and they've been there for so long? Why should we? I think that they need to, even if they're going to alter any laws at all that have been there for that long, they should really do a, a good deal of research and see why those laws are there. And so what do they do? Israel, Benjamin will not listen because Gibeah is in Benjamin. Therefore, Israel goes against this one tribe of Benjamin. They have 25,000 troops in Benjamin. They have 400,000 in Israel. And they go against them. But in the first battle, the Israelites lose 18,000 men. No, 22,000 men. And Benjamin loses almost nobody. And they come back and say, Oh, Lord, surely you want us to go up against them because Phineas was the one involved with this. The great Phineas, the son of Eliezer, the priest, whose grandfather was Aaron, the high priest. And the, the Lord speaks to them and says, go up again. They go up the second time and they lose 18,000 and Benjamin loses almost nobody. Now we have 40,000 men killed, not just 22, but then 18 more. 40,000 men lost their life and they were the ones on the right side. So they come back weeping and say, Oh, God, what's going on here? Why? What's going on? We've lost 40,000 troops. Of, we've lost 10% of our 400,000. We've lost 40,000 men because of perversioning and sanctioning perverts. And God says, No, you go up again. This time you'll take them. And they took them so much that they killed almost the whole tribe. They wiped out, and they must, you can imagine how incensed they were after losing two battles, losing 22,000, then losing 18,000, and they were on the right side. During the Civil War, friends, that was Civil War. In the tribes of Israel, in the nation of Israel, that was the Civil War in the days of Israel. Am I right? Are you with me? 
You know how many we lost in the Civil War in America? The North against the South, it was unbelievable. It was terrible. It was awful. But this is because of sanctioning perversion. So they go up against them, and they almost annihilate the whole. So the, uh, what's the total then? Uh, we have 40, 50, 60, 65,000 people die because they wouldn't give a few perverts to people to let them kill, hang them up or kill them or do something. Do you think God's in favor of capital punishment? I don't think he is. I know he is. You say, that's the old Bible. Yes, it's the same God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, and he's my God too. And what God said in the Old Testament, I'm telling you, it's just as much Bible and the Word of God as the New Testament. In fact, Jesus and Paul uh, were quoting it all the time. Okay. If you would look over in Ezekiel 24, verse 6 and verse and verse 12 and verse 11, you know what it would say? It would call Jerusalem scum. If we're not careful, America can become like the scum of the earth. If we keep sanctioning perversion, it's the lowest you can go, and then the fire falls. Usually the fire does not fall for adultery. And by the way, the Bible does not say that adultery is abominable. As far as I know, it's terrible sin. But God says that idolatry, idol worship, is an abomination to God. And perversion, homosexuality, and lesbianism, that is an abomination to God. A woman dressing like a man is an abomination to God, it tells me in Deuteronomy 22.5. For a man, for me to get in the pulpit here this morning and have hose on like my wife and have my fingernails all painted and lipstick on me and wear a, a, a flowing dress, long or short, I am one big abomination. And the women who look like men are one big abomination to God. Don't change the Bible. You change and conform to God. We're conforming to the world. Go to the third world countries. They know how to dress better than we do in America. In our Baptist churches when you consider it home. And now it's getting right into our churches in the preaching services. And they fault us for having a standard. Guilty, 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 guilty. We do want to please God more than please you. Or more than to please Pastor Harvey. We're here to please God. And it does matter how you dress, young lady, young man. It matters. Everything about your life matters to God. The way you wear your hair. Some of you guys look so sharp with your nice hair, haircuts. I tell you, when a guy's got his hair halfway down his neck and looks like a woman, I tell you, he is an abomination to God in my thinking. He really needs a haircut, doesn't he? He's, he's, and then when he gets his, his you know, rings in his ears, huh? And his rings in his nose. Telling you we're in a perverted society. That late hour that I was there, maybe I got them all confused there as Lane and I were over there at Lowe's. But the, the, the lady there, I said to her, I said, uh, well, you don't have a ring on your hand. Are you, are you married? She said, yes, I'm married. Well, I said, that's good. 
I said, most people just shack up together. Oh, she said, well, I'm getting married in a week, uh, a week and a half, and I'm, I'm, I'm one of those shacking uppers. And there were others standing right around. I about went to preach it right then. Can you imagine the society we're in? Can you imagine? And her haircut, her haircut was shorter than mine. And she had rings, things in her ears. And I think she was a homegrown American. So blame our society on her, or vice versa, whatever. I mean, she wasn't from another country. Homegrown and putrid, but God can save her. I was nice to her, but I still wanted to preach to her while I was being nice to her. (laughs) Amen? Aren't we in a mess today? Because that other lady standing right next to her knew that she was going to get married in a couple of weeks and she's just living with some man out of wedlock. And he's in the army out there. In what the army should not allow such stuff. It's against the UCMJ to commit adultery. And if we don't get busy making them uh, to make that law work over there and make sure they don't take it out of the books, the previous president He, in his first week in office, tried to lift the ban on perverts and put pressure on all the godly people in our army. And yet they don't allow us to give out tracts over there in Iraq to a bunch of people that worship a a Mohammed and Allah, which are no gods at all, and Mohammed is dead and Christ is alive forevermore. Our government's going to give account to God for us not letting us evangelize those people. I said they're going to give account to God for not letting us get up and preach and get these guys that know the language. They ought to be up there preaching in the, in the, right there, amen? Have them guarded like crazy. Have those guys up there preaching Jesus Christ everywhere. The only hope for those people is Jesus Christ. Not better finances and better health standards and better schools. They say that education's the answer, not for the Muslims. No, Christ is the answer. The Christ of America, the Bible is the answer. It'll make them love their wives and put away the other three and just keep one. Did you realize Christianity promotes monogamy? Is that what you say? One wife, isn't that what that is? Instead of polygamy? They allow four wives. Why? Is that because of Jacob? He had four, and few and evil are the days of my pilgrimage, he says, when he gets down to Egypt to Pharaoh. You have four wives and only want one. You find out, too. A big mess you're in. You just thank God for the one wife you have. Amen? You hang on to her for dear life. And all these people would tell you to leave your wife. You just say, I'm going to punch you right in the nose, bud. And I'm going to get some people over at our church. We're going to work you over good. You ever, you ever say that thing to me one more time? But girls, girls are too weak, and they hear it all the time at work. I said, the girls here, don't let put your wife out to work. You know why? Because these guys and these other bad girls, that's all they do, talk about is I'm getting married in a week and a half, and I've been shacking up for three years with somebody. Amen. 
And you know what they do? They break down the barrier. And those same women will say, oh, get rid of your husband. I got rid of mine. It's a lot better the way it's going now. Just put your wife out there. And you know what? The, your wife's weak. She's weaker than you, fella. She's the weaker vessel. And off she goes. At the advice of some of these wicked women she works around. Boy, some of you visitors say, Oh, you preach it all at your church. Amen. Because we need to hear it all. We need to hear a lot more than we do here. For God is so holy and we're so far from his exalted holiness. Well, 65,000 people died because they wouldn't give up a few people and let them be hung up. They lost their whole tribe almost, couldn't even find wives for the ones that were left when their 25,000 men troops of Benjamin were killed. The whole tribe was almost annihilated because when they first came to the door, they didn't just want the concubine, though that was wicked and so vile itself. They wanted to do just like in Sodom. Gibeah. Gibeah. I'd never name a city in America and call it Gibeah. I'd call it Gibeon. Because those were the ones that came and lied and got grace when they should have gotten hellfire. And the sword to kill them. They said, we want mercy. Please save us. And Joshua said, we've made an oath and we'll keep our word. You Gibeon. That's Gibeon. It's a different place now. Okay? Different sermon. Praise God, God brought him in, made him hewers of wood and bearers of the water and brought him near. That's what grace does. What about Rahab the harlot? She's in the lineage of Christ. By the way, David sure suffered greatly, but Bathsheba's one of the four women in the lineage of Christ. Doesn't mean she was perfect. Ruth's in the lineage of Christ. She was a Moabitess. Grace, grace, and then the Virgin Mary. Oh, nothing is better than purity, though. And you don't have so much to forget about. Amen? Well, may God help us. No, we don't need to be scum. I think it's mentioned five times. Five times in Ezekiel chapter 24. And it says that Jerusalem had become so vile, that city, that it was like scum. And you know what happens to the scum when it boils over? And goes over into the fire below. It, it's the fat and all that. You've ever seen scum on your sink? I saw some last night. Messing with that stupid sink at almost midnight. And then I had to tackle it again this morning on the Lord's Day. Try at least to get it operable. Oh, and I, I asked the Lord to forgive me to even doing anything on his day. Amen? This is the Lord's Day. But that scum, you know, that rotten scum. I got some on my hands last night, and I tell you, I just had to go in the other room, the sink that was working, and wash. I didn't want any of that scum on my hands from that stinking, ugly plumbing. And God says that that scum, it, it, you know, it's like it boils over in the pot and goes down in the fire and makes the, the fire even hotter. And that's what people are going to be. They're going to be fuel for the fires of hell. And they're going to be scum for the fires of hell for all eternity if they don't get right with God. Be sure your sin will find you out. You say, well, I thought, I thought uh, the Bible says Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Yeah. That's true. 
But I still think we ought, God's day is a special day. I don't think we ought to go out and work. If we can get a job, don't get a job on Sunday. Don't get a job where you have to handle alcohol. Because you promised years ago, like me, didn't you? That you'd never handle that stuff. Or tobacco, you promised God. When I was in the Navy, I, I promised God, when I get out of the Navy after four years of force, I'll never take a job on Sunday again. I'll never work on Sunday again. That's why I didn't get a job as an operating room technician out there when I got out of the Navy in the VA hospitals and could have made good money. Because I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach. I'm not going to work on Sunday ever again. I had to lose jobs because I wouldn't fill those machines full of tobacco and cigarettes. Many a job I couldn't take because I will not handle alcoholic beverages. We don't even eat at these restaurants that have alcohol if we can possibly avoid it at all. We don't eat at places that have any alcohol anywhere in the whole place. Say, boy, you're a peculiar lot, aren't you? Well, we heard about the Mennonites this morning in Sunday school. Wouldn't hurt us to be a little more peculiar. The Bible says we're peculiar people anyhow. Well, aren't you glad you're going to heaven when you die? Huh? I said all that, and I'm going to close right now by God's grace. I'm not just preaching for Pastor Harvey. 20 or 30 years, I'll be out of here. I'll be history. But I'll have grandchildren and children unless the Lord comes back. And what a mess they're going to have to put up with because of that terrible ruling last week. And that, who, for all we know, it seems like they're degenerating. They're not coming back too good, are they? That was a good song for the choir. But there's sometimes it just seems like it's a complete degeneration. We better hold our own. We better hold the fort. We better fight with all our might. Cry aloud and spare not in this age of perversion. We're getting to the unnatural. I want you to know, in closing, it's unnatural for a woman to want another woman. It's unnatural for a man to want another man. And God hates it. God despises it. God, that word abomination, God's nauseated with that. So you dress like a young lady. You men, don't you dress with feminine stuff on you. If someone says that's kind of feminine, you better get rid of it. Give it to the dog catcher or somebody. Amen. Go down to Goodwill and get you something else that looks manly. Amen. We're preparing our, our young boys to be pansies. And they, we need, they need to be strong in God. Don't you ladies fault your husband for wanting to be like a man. Some of these mothers, are bless your hearts, ladies, but if he's a man, thank God he's tough. Amen. Huh? Don't you know what some boys say? Well, mama, I didn't know. Speak up, boy! You're not a girl. Some of the parents, I think they want their boys to dress in almost girls' stuff, too. Amen? Just throw a football at him or something. Don't hurt the kid. Don't kill him. But make sure he knows he's been, his hand's been hurt. Because he's a man. I don't know what that's for, but it's all in there. We need women that are real feminine. And we need men that are real masculine. That'll straighten out a whole lot. Straighten out a whole lot in this country. If your man is real manly, you thank God for your manly man. Amen. And if your wife is real feminine, you thank God she's really a, a, a real nice lady. Amen. If she tells you once in a while, "Well, I'm a lady, and I don't think I should do that," we big tough guys better say, 
honey, I'm about to die, but you just go have a seat over there. I'll take it from here. If you're half dead, thank God she's a, thank God she's a lady. Amen? That's good preaching even if I am doing it. Amen. Well, she just kept me here another five minutes because you're such a good audience. So a couple of you almost went to sleep on me, but I woke you back up. Let's bow for prayer. Our Father, if there's one here without Christ, we pray that you'd save them. Help us, our Father, in this perverted, it's an upside-down world. We need to see it turned right side up in accordance with the Holy Bible. We pray for any that are here this morning and don't know Christ that they'd trust in this morning. They'd see he's the Lamb of God. They'd see that salvation's by grace through faith, not of works, and that they just need to repent and believe the gospel. Just repent and trust Jesus with all their heart and soul and receive the gift of God by grace through faith. Dear Lord, help them to do it. And then if there's one here who's saved and not right and they need to surrender some things, help them, Lord. And some of us that have been Christians for a long time, we need to do more in this matter of soul winning and, and just serving, they help us. So many varied needs meet every need, we pray our Father. 